0: Welcome to Purifying Truths with A-Star. How is everybody doing out there? So glad you tuned in today. We have a gem with us, people, a diamond all the way from Kentucky. Yeah, she is a public speaker, a life coach, a fellow podcast host, and a pharmacist by trade. I would love to introduce to you all Miss Candice Olushua. Welcome to Purifying Truths.
1: Hi, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on your show today. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Super excited to have you on here. Um, just want to jump right in. We hear your last name, so we just assume that, you know, that you have some roots that go a little deeper than Kentucky, so we'll start <laughs> there. Um, growing up in Kentucky, what challenges did you face? Mm.
1: Well, by my last name, I my last name, Olushala, I am half Nigerian, and my mom is actually from the island of Grenada. So, Growing up in Kentucky, I lived in white suburbia in an all-Black family with two immigrant parents. And that left me being raised in basically a dual, even actually not even dual, a tri-cultured household with an African culture, a Caribbean culture, but also being raised in America, which made it very difficult to figure out who I was, who people wanted me to be or perceived me to be and whether I felt like I was even worthy of love.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, Sorry that you went through those trials of not feeling, you know, worthy of love. We'll get into that in a little bit. I just wanted to take a moment to digest a tri-culture household. Hmm. So when I look at you, you look like me. I see a black female. Yeah. But you got treated differently as you were in school and maybe going throughout the communities and such. Would you briefly describe that to us? How one place you may get treated one way versus when you're somewhere else, you're treated a different way?
1: Yeah. I mean, having two immigrant parents from two very different cultures. They, first off, wanted us to be able to fit in. They knew what it was like to move to the United States. They didn't have family. They didn't have their friends from back home. And they were perceived in like the 80s and the 90s as the, the, the Black foreigners. And so they had to deal with the racism of coming into America as black foreigners and they just wanted us to fit in. So they even made sure we didn't have an accent no matter where we went. Like you couldn't tell if we were from Kentucky, you couldn't tell where in the country we were from. We just had this neutral accent and was great when you think about, you know, people just understanding the words that you're saying. But when it came to talking to people, or even saying who you were and recognizing oh they're not just a black family they're a black family with smart kids they're a black family who is around white people they're a black family with you know a physician and a nurse as the parents and their kids are in some of the top levels of education you have kids, their kids are in music lessons and dance lessons and sports teams. And they're just over, they're an overachieving family. And because of that, some people would see me as, you know, the, the Oreo, the, you look black, but you're really white because you're in classes with white kids. You do activities with white kids. You speak like the white kids, therefore you're white. Um, you had, white kids who would say, well, you look black, but you're so white, you might as well be a leader of the KKK. And really deteriorating my blackness and saying, well, because your family owns these cars or you live in a house that has more than one story, like you're no longer classified as a black female. And that was very, frustrating for me. Because I lived in an immigrant family, I was taught to also just cherish anybody and embrace everyone's culture and sit in their stories. But that's not how I was perceived by different people. Even if I just went out in the community, the, the people that would see me as a black female, I look black. And so I would, as a black female in predominantly white communities, would often be taken advantage of. I'd go to the movies with my white friends and be groped by random men and they'd say weird things in my ears about oh. you got the curves like a black girl and all these things. And I'm like, well, that's really weird and uncomfortable. But understanding that this is things that have been happening to black females since slavery, I'm not unaware that this is a reality for a lot of people. And so it's just like strange or you know, being followed in the grocery store but my white friends are that are with me are not being followed or being followed yeah. by police and being pulled over for things that my white friends in my car would be like I would never get pulled over for something like that that's so weird i've never seen that before and having to explain myself and you know make it make sense but even i was trying to still make sense of it growing up like why is it that everywhere i go depending on who's there what they know about me or don't i now I'm a completely different person to that group of people. And it was hard to figure out who I really was.
0: Wow. That had to be traumatic. Um, Understanding as you're going through this, trying to figure out who you are, um, trying to blend in, trying to fit in, trying to be that chameleon that you thought you needed to be to please other people, you found yourself hurting. Mm-hmm. and you went on a journey to find personal healing yeah so during that personal healing you overcame some things what did you overcome and how
1: ooh i overcame a lot of things <laughs> um so i actually started my my journey back in July of 2011. That's that's when I said that's that's the season of life where I would say I chose my rock bottom versus saying I hit it. Um, yeah. And I would say that I chose it because I realized in that season that I did not want myself to go any lower than I was, and I decided this is where my elevator stops. Um, we're only this is the ground floor. Um, I'm going to choose it. This is the ground floor, and I will fight for the opportunity to see if there are better floors above this. So I had just gotten out of a very uh, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, even sexually abusive relationship in my Christian university. And so um, it was like my first Christian boyfriend, like not Christian boyfriend, but um, my first boyfriend in a, Christian bubble, I should say, because I went to public schools my whole life, public school and private. Uh-huh. So, feeling like, oh man, you know, you have this relationship, and we're gonna be talking about God and like walking in God together, and it ended up basically deteriorating me to the point where I said, I, I'm a walking corpse. Like I don't even feel like I, I exist, but I know I'm getting up every day and I'm moving. So I had an opportunity to go overseas as a missionary in Ecuador right after that, like the very next month. And I was a missionary teacher. I was pouring into these students. I was learning Spanish by ear. And all the while, I'm grieving. I'm crying out to God. And I'm asking, why do I feel this way about myself? Why do things keep coming my way that are just just stripping me of who I have left of me. And Uh who am I? Like Who am I when I'm not weeping, when I'm not in pain, when I'm not feeling violated, when I'm maybe loved? Because I'm still questioning if I'm even worthy of love. And so going on that journey, being honest with my emotions through that, Going through Ecuador was one of the best years of my life as far as catapulting me into my journey to push through the healing process and ask myself the hard questions. Asking myself the hard questions happened all the way through the rest of my undergrad, graduated, ended up going into pharmacy school, continued asking myself questions, continued asking myself the whys behind things, going to God, writing in my journals like crazy. I've had journals since I was probably six years old. And so writing, writing poetry, writing letters, um, singing songs to myself, dancing, I would just express and express and express as much as I could conjure up out of me until answers were being were were coming to me about the questions I've had since I was a little girl about the whys. Why do people see me this way? Why do I feel this way? Why do I not deserve love? Why am I why do I only have this or have that or whatever the question was and it took me a 10-year journey all the way through last year I I kept asking myself those questions and really leaning into the feelings that I had been running away from for so long and just saying, I have to face it. I really, I just have to, I can't let the pain come over me. I still desire, I desire love, even though I don't feel worthy of it. I desire healthy relationships, even though I don't always feel like I'm able to have those. I desire to enjoy myself even though I don't always do and I would love to just understand who I am outside of the context of the family that I was raised in the way that people label my family and anything that made me feel like who I was was tainted broken and unable to be fixed. Ah. So yeah, I by last year, I finally had my breakthrough and I really ran. I, I, I call it running, like running towards the lies, running through the tears, running through the discomfort, sitting in my discomfort, sitting in my pain and saying, I can handle what this feels like. I can handle what I'm thinking about this. And there's something on the other side of this. And even though I don't know what that is, I'm willing to sit through this until I see what it is and hope that it's positive. And it ended up being revolutionary. And my chains fell off of me. And I was free to finally meet myself and enjoy all of me, not just love me, but like me.
0: Wow. That is so powerful. I love the way that you describe it as I chose my rock bottom. Mm -hmm. You know, many of us wait until we hit it. But certainly that point right there is something that we need to take note of that you can choose. Mm -hmm. You can choose when you're going to stop this train wreck that you're on and change it. You can choose it. You don't have to wait until it crashes. So I love that perspective. And Candace, the way that you have been so powerfully sitting in pain mm-hmm. and endured, mm-hmm. I can just hear it in your voice, how you've not only healed, but evolved. Yeah. Um it's just so amazing to hear how you have evolved outside of the perceptions that others have of you to the point that you love and like yourself. Yes. That is phenomenal. Yes. yes. Absolutely phenomenal. And I understand that you've taken that, all that you've learned from your journey, and you're now helping others.
1: Yeah.
0: Tell us how you're doing that.
1: Yeah, so I, I like we had said earlier, I'm, I'm also a pharmacist and I will always be proud of that title.
0: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I worked really hard for that degree, so I'm not throwing it away. But <laughs> I, I found my identity in a lot of things like my family, and my job, my degrees. And I started last year in the summer of 2020, having the opportunity to start podcasting. And in getting this opportunity to podcast, I was leaning into the stories of other people and having such deep conversations with them. I've been having deep conversations with people ever since I could talk. I've always been that person who People would come to and say, I have advi- I, ha- I need advice. Can you provide it to me? And I'd sit there with them and listen to their story, whether they were younger than me or way older than me. I've always been someone who wants to sit in a space with someone and provide them the attention that I didn't always feel I had or didn't have the luxury to have because of the family that I was in and the perception that I was trying to keep up the, the image that I wanted to make sure that was intact for the family. So I felt like I had to do a lot of those things by myself. So I always wanted to give it to people. So last year, when I had the opportunity to start the podcast, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like everything right now. I'm really getting to sit in stories with people and giving them the opportunity to unpack it, share what they've learned about their own journeys and realize that we can all do that. So I had more opportunities to speak. I've always been public speaking since I was a little girl. I love being on stage, even though I'm actually quite the introvert. I'm like introverted, <sighs> but also extroverted. I'm very ambiverted, I guess I should say. Um, but I love, you know, getting to speak to people, but also hearing their story. So doing that, getting to do public speaking, and I started coaching this year and now I get to do that full time. I actually left my nine to five as a practicing pharmacist only a year and a half into being a licensed pharmacist because I saw that the liberation that I had in knowing all of who I was pharmacy as a profession, will always be something that I can pour into. But my purpose is so much greater than that. And being a practicing pharmacist was basically stifling me and hindering me from being able to fully live out that. So I left August 23rd of this year and said, this is my last day. I'm walking out. I'm leaving. Had put in my two weeks notice. And now I get to powerfully speak into people every day in hopes that I can call them into a space where they can embrace their whole self, unlock their true purpose and calling, and allow them to walk in the freedom of being who they are and sitting in the fulfillment of having that be the reality for the rest of their life, no questions asked, because I'm a living testament of that.
0: Wow, you know, many people would look at you and put you in the cuckoo box. um, They do because (laughs) pharmacist is a profession that is known to be financially fit and stable. Mm -hmm. And when you say that you fired your job as a pharmacist, is not the same as saying, you know, I fired my job as a janitor and that's no disrespect to janitors. I'm just saying there's a difference in the um, bring home pay. And so tell me, I understand that you said that you're being fulfilled this way, but explain how were you able to let go of the coins and pursue your passion? Do you ever look back? I don't.
1: I don't look back. The only reason I don't look back for myself and the reason is one I'm I'm not I've never been money driven, but I am purpose driven. So money doesn't fulfill me. It comes and it goes, but uh-huh. I still have to live with me every day. And so I want to make sure that my joy is full in things that have nothing to do with my finances i think also having having lived in a family where making sure that the sacrifices of my parents were remembered i think i mistakenly put my identity in holding up the the story and feeling like the only way to hold up the story of the immigrant parents who sacrificed themselves to raise their kids in a country that provided more for them than their own. I thought that meant my identity was to be in what I do and not just Uh who I am and who God says I am. So I fought really hard to, keep up academically, even though I didn't always feel the strongest academically in my family, but I wanted to keep up with that. I did my best in my classes. I went to, I mean, amazing schools, and I have to thank my parents for the sacrifices that they made financially, just for the schools that me and my brothers got to go to, going to some of the best public schools in my city, getting to go to one of the top boarding arts academies as a french horn major like who does that in high school i did and then wow. to go to a really great christian university then getting to go to the one of the top pharmacy schools in the country then getting to go to one of the top public health schools in the nation like i my parents have been so incredible in teaching us about the wealth of knowledge that comes with education, whether it's formal or not, and just growing in your knowledge of the world around you. And how can you take that knowledge and pour it into people? But I thought that was my identity. I thought the money I made was supposed to be my identity, even though I didn't really resonate with that. I thought I was supposed to make it my identity. I thought uh-huh. the degrees behind my name. It's like, okay, Candice Olushala D uh, MPH, sorry having those as my titles somehow made me worthy, right, of being in a space. And that was something I had been struggling with since I was a child. But being able to leave pharmacy had a lot to do with my healing last year and going on that 10-year intentional journey of meeting who I was despite what I was taught in my family. And despite what I felt about the degrees that I have, and despite the money that came or went, who am I when all of those things are gone? If it's just me, then what? And so it made it really easy to leave pharmacy, actually, which sounds horrible when I also say I love being a pharmacist. I loved my patients. I loved getting to use my public health knowledge to Helps, help my patients more holistically and not just refill their medications, but how is your mental health? How is your spiritual health? How is your emotional health? Who, are, who is your community? Because all that affects your health. I love still to this day, talking to people about those things, pouring into the education system, helping the profession any way I can. But the money, you couldn't pay me enough for how I saw the profession shifting in its structure, I felt like as a pharmacist, I was also being abused. And that those that were higher up in the companies that pharmacists work in didn't have the same purpose or mission that we have as clinicians to really provide our patients with everything we need and you can you could pay me $10,000, you could pay me $10 million, I was going to be able to leave knowing that my pay cut was going to be intense and knowing that I still love me. I still have purpose. I will always be a pharmacist. I will always pour into the health of other people, but you can get money anywhere. You can find a way to have money and you can find a way to live without money. I, like I said, I've been in a farm, I've been a missionary overseas. I have parents who've lived in less financially stable situations prior to their coming to America. They've taught me those stories and I don't discard those for anything. So I don't I I try not to plant my stake in the ground of my financial wealth, uh-huh. even though I understand the importance of having financial wealth and freedom and getting to use that for the things that you desire in the world, but it's not something that's going to just hold me to a job if I know it's making me miserable. It's not fulfilling me, and in not fulfilling me, I'm not able to pour myself healthfully mm-hmm. into people that are seeking my help with health. Like, <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me to have to just sit in that space and feel like I had to just take it. Like, no, Uh I don't have to. I don't have to. I'm with or without my degrees, with or without this money, I can make an impact and be creative with that. And as long as God is with me, I'm stepping out in faith and I'm doing it.
0: And you are definitely making an impact. You know, even your message that my translation, that you make money, money doesn't make you. Many times society has the message the other way, Mm -hmm. that money defines us. And I believe that that's the problem with a lot of things going awry in society is because money runs the world. And I'm not doubting or discounting or saying that it's not necessary. But I personally know people that have millions and are unhappy mm-hmm. on the verge of suicide i know people that have millions and have stressed themselves to the point that their body can't take it and they've somehow you know got cancer mm-hmm. and guess what that money don't don't pay for it cuz there's no cure so i love that you have balance i love that you have taken on your purpose because when you do what you're supposed to do what you have been placed on this earth to do Mm -hmm. not what someone else tells you to do you are fulfilled in ways that money can never purchase Mm
1: -hmm. yeah absolutely and that's something that drives me every day like once i realized that this was a reality When you're taught that it can't be like the number of people who say, oh, man, I wish I was fulfilled or, oh, I wish I loved waking up to go to my work every day or I wish I had the ability to, you know, get this money and then also be happy. Like maybe I can have one but not the other. And when I learned that that's those are all lies, those are all lies because of the stress that the world puts on us, society puts on us, the financial ideologies put on us all of that is hindering us from realizing that when we know who we are everything else is just extra like it mm-hmm. it just adds to that and if it takes from that then we don't have to have that in our life and we actually have choices we actually have choices we didn't we don't realize that we have these choices we're told that you wake up you are you're born you Turn five and by five, you should already be thinking about what you want to be and who you want to be and how you're going to be it. And then you need to go get your degree or your trade. You go through that and then you do that for the rest of your life till you retire and then you die. Like, and no matter how many people you see miserable, no matter how many people you see struggling, they tell you, but that's just what you're supposed to do. Why? Why would we tell ourselves that we're just supposed to feel mediocre until we die? Why would you even think that that's all that that there is out there? And so learning that I could actually choose how I centered my life, then I can then allow for the things that fulfill me to actually create this beautiful story ahead and it can be whatever God desires to make it with me like let's let's create this future that we want together and i so i really want people have this desire to see a chain reaction of people that are basically obtaining their keys to being free and unlocking the chains of the lies that were fed through our society and through our circumstances, unlocking them with those keys. The keys are the truth about all of those lies, taking those keys, unlocking the chain, stepping out, and we get to live free. And then once everyone gets, once you get a key, now you have the power to teach someone else, like, hey, you need this key, use this key. And we basically become liberators of people's souls throughout the world. Like imagine if everyone knew they had a choice to live free to live in choices that fulfilled them and actually kept them full they didn't have uh-huh. to like be completely depleted every hour of their day no like you can actually have a sustained fulfillment that's just your baseline and everything else after that is just extra gold for you that you can pour into other people cuz you're you're living in abundance you can yes. live in abundance. It's an opportunity. We do not have to live on E. Like we can actually have a full tank of gas, guys. Like that—that that was so revolutionary to me and my healing. And I will live. Like I will live my life, making sure that anyone that I can come across to allow them to realize this truth and actually live it. I don't care what they've seen. I don't care what they've experienced. I don't care what they've heard. All of that is just means for you to be hidden from the truth. But the Uh truth is behind the veil. We got to tear down the veil. We got to break down the chain so you can actually see the view. There's a view out there and it's broad and it's vast and it's beautiful and it's a canvas waiting to be painted and that's you that's your story that's your your gorgeous truth is out there for people to be empowered by everyone has that but the world doesn't always allow us to see it and it's our it should be our desire to fight to see it so everyone else can realize that they have it too
0: Yes, yes. I love how you just painted the picture of the keys of truth and, you know, using it to unlock the lies that society have and continues to tell us. Um, tell us, Candice, if you have one one thing that you would like the audience to take from this, um, your legacy, what would you like them to take? What would you like to be your legacy going forward I would say that
1: my, my legacy or my story is, you know, I'm a girl who's seen a lot. I've experienced a lot, and it's been unique. And with everything that I've seen, from every angle that I've seen it and experienced it, the greatest lesson that I've learned is that myself and everyone around me, we are strong enough to sit through the things that bind us because it's our ability to say, say, we're going to face those feelings. We're going to face those thoughts. We're going to face those things that shouldn't be true about us, or we don't want them to be true about us. And realize that once we've sat through those, man, you'll be living free sooner rather than later. And you deserve that. We all deserve that.
0: Yes, we do.
1: Fight. Fight for that. Fight for it. Even if you don't believe it, fight for the hope that it's there and keep leaning Mm -hmm. into that. It's the greatest lesson I ever learned. And there's a beautiful, beautiful story of who you
0: truly are on the other side of that. Wow, what a legacy to leave and so much truth to that statement. Wow, amazing, amazing, amazing. What a phenomenal woman you are. Candace, I thank you so much for joining us today, pouring into us, sharing your heart here on Purifying Truths. How can the audience connect with you?
1: Yeah. You guys can connect with me at com. You can also do firstbosso.com. That's my podcast and message me. I'm at firstbosso or at Candice Olushala on all social media platforms and I I would just love to to hear from you guys. You guys can even text me. I love getting texts from people. My number is 859-800-3396. Um, and just, you know, if you're looking for a, a life coach, someone to really walk through the journey of finding out who you truly are, embracing that, claiming that, loving it, liking it, And then being free to just live that, live out that truth and calling other people into doing the same thing. I would be honored to walk through that with anybody who's who's needing someone to do
0: that with them. So. Wow. Amazing. Please connect with Candice. She is a amazing person. Thank you once again for joining us on Purifying Truths.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for
0: having me. My pleasure. and thank you for tuning in to purifying truths with a star tune in every saturday at nine and noon for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life connect with a star On Facebook and Instagram at Facets of a Star. Check out the website www.facetsofastar.com. Shine bright.